Let's just pray. Father, we believe. We believe that the prayers that we've prayed here today, that they are now eternal because they're before your throne. And we believe that you will answer them, each and every one. You've already answered some. You've already begun to answer some. We know that you will in powerful and beautiful ways. Lord, I think about the amazing testimonies that we just hear all the time, all the time. Lord, where you shrink tumors, where you mend marriages, where you help people forgive. And Lord, we just ask that the prayers that we pray today, you would answer in beautiful and powerful ways. Thank you for blowing our mind. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you, Jared and the worship team. Can we give them a big hand? Yeah. So good. It's so good to be here today. I'm just very thankful for everything that God is doing, what he's doing in us, what he's doing through us. We have a team right now on the ground in Malawi. Be praying for them. Things are going good, except they don't have any luggage. It's lost. (laughs) So uh, be praying for them. Uh, It's just amazing to see all that God is doing. If you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to be. It's a text we read earlier. And as I told you, I want to talk uh, for the next couple of weeks about healing. We're going to talk about a particular kind of healing that Jesus talks about here in this text. And so just because I want you to be very spiritual people and I want your minds to be focused, I'm, I'm going to start with a good one I heard this week, okay? Here we go. There was a guy who had been faithful to God for 40 years, 40 years. Uh, and as he was turning 60 years old, God went to him and said, you know, you've been faithful to me for 40 years. I want to bless you. What, what do you want? Anything you want. The guy said, well, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm, a, I'm terrified of flying. So can you build a bridge from the mainland to Hawaii? And God says, well, listen, you know I normally work through human agents. That's how it, you know, that's going to be very expensive. That's going to take a long time. You know, just ask for something else. The guy said, fine. He said, I've always wanted to understand a woman's mind. I wanted to understand how she thinks and how she feels and processes her emotions. God thought for a second. He just said, you want two lanes or four on that bridge? (laughs) That's a good one. That's good. You know, uh, I heard this statistic this week that uh, children laugh an average of 150 times a day. Children laugh an average of 150 times a day, where adults laugh an average of three times a day. Just three. Just three. So whether you're laughing at my joke or you're laughing at me telling the joke or you're laughing because I'm going to get in trouble for telling that joke, <laughs> at least you're laughing. At least you're laughing. That's good. I do, I want to talk to you today about the God who heals. I believe that God wants to heal the inner fabric of our soul. I believe that God wants to heal the inner fabric of our soul. You see, what sin does is sin tears at our soul. It stretches, it distorts our soul. And sin ultimately wounds us. And it wounds us deep in our life. And many times we can go through life for many, many years carrying wounds that we should not be carrying. And these wounds, if we carry them too long, they can become a problem for us if they're not healed. You see, there's a difference between scars and wounds, right? 
Scars are those wounds that we've experienced in life, but healing has taken place, and many times the scar tissue can be tougher than the tissue that was there before, but wounds are different. If wounds are not healed, what can happen is that a past wound can open up again and again in the present, and speaking of our soul, something could trigger us or something could happen in our life or we could have another experience that just opens up that old wound, and we end up living constantly with that pain. And there are many things in life that can cause wounds. Sometimes it's abandonment where someone has left you and you have a hard time trusting other people. Sometimes it's living with guilt or shame. Maybe you grew up and people constantly criticized you or maybe you're the type of person for whatever reason has constantly been criticizing yourself. Sometimes wounds can be neglect where someone may have been present with you or they may have been around you but they were not fully present caring for you and loving for you maybe the way God intended, or it could have been abuse. Someone abused you in some way, either personally or someone abused you maybe in a business deal or something like that. But the truth is, every one of us experience wounding in life. Every one of us. No one is exempt from this. No one. And these wounds, if we don't deal with them, this is the problem, Whittle, if we don't deal with them, What it's going to do is it's going to cause us to live in a place and live out of a place of unhealthy behavior. It's called a vicious cycle. It's when we're living with pain, we're living with hurt in our life, and then we end up hurting other people the same way we were hurt, even though that's not what we wanted to do. And what I want to tell you today is that that does not have to be your story. That does not have to be your story. You may say, well, Chris, I grew up in a family that they they were always yelling, so I yell. Well, you don't have to live that way. You may say, Chris, I grew up in an abusive family, and so I am the way I am because of what I experienced. Well, you don't have to live that way. You may have grown up in a family where people were always manipulating other people, and people were very passive-aggressive. Truth is, you don't have to live that way. You may have grown up around people who always had a victim mentality, and they were thinking, woe is me, and everybody's against me all the time. You don't have to think that way. The classic example, you may have grown up in an alcoholic family, but you don't have to be an alcoholic. Are you with me? The good news is that we have a God who loves to step into our life, and even though it's been that way before, it does not have to be that way today. So many times we just say, that's how my family was, that's how my upbringing was, that's just how I am. Well, sometimes we need to wake up in the morning, we need to have a conversation with God and begin breaking some generational curses that we're living with and say, it may have been that way in my family, but it's not going to be that way with me. It's going to stop right here with me. And you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can do that. You can say that. And this is so important for us as humans, so important. I'll never forget, it was over a decade ago, I heard the phrase that really helped me understand this. And the simple phrase is this, is that hurting people hurt people. You've probably heard it. Hurting people hurt people. When we are hurt on the inside, we have a tendency to lash out at people around us. We may not do it all the time, but it still happens. And the truth is, we try to hide our hurts, don't we? We try to hide our pain. We, we try to filter everything in our society so that people don't know that we're hurting. They don't know that we're living in pain. But the problem is that hurt, that pain, it always comes out. It always comes out. There'll be moments, there'll be seasons, there'll be triggers in which that pain, that hurt that you're living with on the inside, it comes out of you. 
And so when you're you're around someone who's constantly negative about something, you just need to know that negativity, it comes from a place of pain. If you're around someone who's constantly criticizing other people and putting other people down or always gossiping, that actually comes from a place of pain and hurt in their own life. That's why we need these wounds healed. The good news is Jesus is the healer. And we do not have to walk around with this pain anymore. We don't have to walk around with this hurt anymore because he loves to heal the inner fabric of our soul. Let's go to Luke 5 here. If you back up, the first thing we see in verse 27 and 28 is that Jesus begins to heal. He begins healing us by initiating a relationship with us. This is exactly what he did with Levi, or who we know as Matthew. We see it in verse 27. It says, after this, he went out and he saw a tax collector, Levi. We all know that tax collectors were despised in the first century. Nobody wanted to associate with them. They were considered traitors of Israel because the Romans would get Israelis, who Jews, who would be the tax collectors of their people because they knew them so well. And Levi's sitting there. This is his job. Jesus goes up to him and says, follow me. I told you last week, this is very unique in the first century because in the first century, the the rabbis did not choose the students. The students chose the rabbis, but here Jesus is choosing his followers. And then the text says in verse 28, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And here we see Levi give up everything to go and follow this Jesus. And this is where healing ultimately starts. If you're going to experience healing in the inner fabric of your soul, deep down at the core of who you are, it all starts with a relationship with Jesus. Because he is the physician who loves to be in a relationship with us so that he can bring the healing that we need into our life. Jesus is not like an earthly doctor. We all know how the earthly doctor thing works, right? It's, I'll go to a checkup a couple of times a year, and doc, I'll call you if I need you, right? Many times that's how we approach God. We just say, God, I'll show up a couple of times a year normally around Christmas and Easter, and God, I'll call you if I need you. And then we get upset if we call and God does not answer our prayers in the way and in the timing in which we want him to, right? Just like we get upset with our doctor if we need our doctor and we call and he does not answer fast enough. But here's the thing. Jesus is not like an earthly doctor. He's not an absentee physician. He wants to be in our lives This calling to Matthew here is a calling to an ongoing relationship to come and to follow him. That kind of leads me to the second thought that we see here, and that is that Jesus, he begins this healing by getting involved in our lives. Not just initiating the relationship, but getting involved. Notice what happens in verse 29. It says, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. Notice that now Levi is doing something for Jesus. Jesus initiated the relationship. Now Levi is making space in his house for this feast. And it says, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. Notice that Jesus here is getting very much involved in Matthew's life. His house, Matthew's house, is the most intimate place. It is the most personal place that Matthew owns. And not only is it just his space, his friends are there as well. Have you ever noticed whenever you're reading these stories about Jesus, have you ever noticed that Jesus heals when he gets in close proximity to people? Even when he heals someone who is far off, normally he's talking face-to-face with another person. Talking face-to-face. 
That should lead us to think, whenever we start asking those questions like, God, why won't you fill in the blank? Why won't you do this? Why won't you do that? We actually have to step back and start with the question of, how closely am I walking with God right now? Do I want God just to be my absentee physician? You just you come when I call, or do I actually want a relationship with him? Do I want him to be in the personal places of my life? That's a very important question. Because the pattern we see in Jesus is while he initiates the relationship, we also see this invitation for him to come in to the personal places in our life. The next movement we see here in this text is that Jesus' healing work, though, we have to remember it's not always accepted by people. It's not always accepted by others. I mean, right here we see two amazing things going on just in the first few verses that we've read. Number one, Jesus is called out to a tax collector and said, come and follow me. Number two, the tax collector, Levi, has actually accepted that invitation. Now Jesus is at the tax collector's house. Other tax collectors and other people are there having a feast with Jesus. And then notice what happens in verse 30. It says, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, not at Jesus, at the disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. See, Jesus is doing an amazing work in Levi's life at this point. And the first thing that happens is that there is there's criticism from the religious people around him. But notice what the Pharisees are saying. Notice they're saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Do you hear the statement behind the statement? The question behind the question? Do you hear it? What the Pharisees are saying is, if Jesus is God, why is God hanging out with them and not with us? Why is God having a feast with them and not with us? There's a category for this. It's called jealousy. It's this fear of being left out. And so because the Pharisees feel like they're being left out, they start criticizing what Jesus is doing. Do you know that your criticism is a clue about the pain and the hurt in your life? The things that you go around criticizing all the time normally reflect the pain and the hurt that you've experienced in your life. That's what's happening with the Pharisees. They feel like God has passed them by. They feel like God has passed over them and is now spending time with these tax collectors, with these sinners as they call them. And the same can be true for us. Many times we can feel like, oh, God is blessing that person. God is blessing that church. God is doing something over there, blessing that family. We have to remember that our job is to stay focused on our relationship with Christ. Your family's task is to stay focused on your family's relationship with Christ. Us as a church, our job is to make sure we're staying in relationship with God and following his will for us. Not worried about anybody else. Not worried about anybody else. But when our eyes get off our relationship with God, we start looking around and seeing other people's relationship with God. And many times that's when the criticism comes even from us. And we have to be careful of that. But the point is simply this. Is that when God is doing something in your life, when God is moving in your life, inviting you into a relationship or a deeper relationship, many times there are religious people around you that just aren't going to like it. And many times they are religious. But notice what happens next in the text. What the text tells us in verse 31, that even though Jesus is the one who initiates, 
He wants to be involved, even though some people aren't going to like him. Jesus heals us because it's his nature. Jesus steps into our lives and does a work of healing because it is his nature. It's in his nature to do so. One second. Thank you. What Jesus is drawn to is our soul sickness. He's drawn to those hurt places within, as I've used this phrase, the fabric of our soul because he loves to reach out and touch and heal. Now, here's the thing. Many times when we pray, we're really concerned and we want God to fix the circumstantial situations of our life. If we're being honest, most of our prayers are all about how do I have a smooth life, right? How do I have a smooth, how do I know I want things to go smoothly? The problem with this is, is while we tend to pray about the circumstantial situations in life, God normally responds, you know, I want to cut much deeper than that. I want to go much deeper than that. I heard a story of a young man, he, he, his dream was to be a professional athlete, but he got cut from the team, and the only job he could find to support his young family was stocking the grocery store aisles at night. And every night he would go in and he would stock the shelves, stock the shelves. He knew where the beans were, the peas were, the corn was. Just every night he would go in and stock those shelves. And he was very frustrated, he was discouraged, and finally one night he said, God, this is not what I had planned. This is not what I thought you wanted for me. So obviously, you, you have some lesson you want me to learn. So whatever it is, would you teach me what that is? You know, that's actually an amazing, wise prayer to pray, isn't it? When we find ourselves in those moments in life when it doesn't seem like life is supposed to be this way, to pause and say, God, is there something you want me to teach or you want to teach me in this moment? As that young man began to pray that kind of prayer, saying, God, what is it that you want to teach me? What he realized was every night he would go in, he'd be almost the only one in the store, and he'd be stocking the same shelves night after night after night. And while he went in, stocking those shelves, doing the very best he could with his job, he learned that he was learning how to pray. He learned that he was learning how to talk with the Father. It's just him in there. No one else is really in the grocery store except some people in the back. And he's just stocking these shelves, having a conversation with God. And that young man says, I would not trade that season for anything in my life. Because that's the season in my life. It looked like I was at my lowest point. But that's when I learned how to pray. That young man's name, he's not young anymore, his name's Kurt Warner. He's not only a Super Bowl champion, he's in the NFL Hall of Fame today. And he looks back over his life and he says, this is long before I got picked up again. This is long before we made the playoffs. This is long before a Super Bowl ring. This is long before a gold jacket. He said, that time in that grocery store is when I learned how to pray. You see, we want God to fix our circumstances, but God is interested in fixing our soul you do know that God is more concerned about your soul than your success in life. And he loves to cut deep and to work on us because he wants to heal the inner fabric of our soul where we have been hurt and where we experience pain at the deepest point in our life. But here's the thing. Jesus is very clear in this text, and he is clear about this, and that is that he only heals sinners. He only heals sinners. He says it right here. The Pharisees are grumbling at the disciples. 
Jesus overhears them or knows what they're thinking or saying and says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've come to call sinners. Now, you may be sitting there wondering, what does that word sinner mean? The word sinner means a whole lot more than just, I did a bad thing. You see, we have a sin nature. That sin nature has been passed down to us from our first parents, Adam and Eve. It is inherent in us. We have this natural bent in our soul toward sin. You don't have to teach children how to sin. They naturally know how to be selfish. It's because of a sin nature that's in us. But not only do I have a sin nature, other people's sin has affected my life as well. Other people have hurt me. Other people have brought pain into my life. And that has also damaged my soul as well. But not only that, not only do I have a sin nature, not only have other people hurt me, I've actually also sinned as well. I've hurt myself while I have hurt others. When Jesus says, I've come for sinners, that's who he's come for. He's come for people Not just someone who did a bad thing somewhere along the way. He's come to bring healing to the deepest level of our life, down to our very nature so that he can give us a new nature. That's why we are a new creation in Christ. He's down to healing the past, the pain of the past, and also giving us a new life in Christ, new life as we live into the future. So when Jesus says, I've come for sinners, that's what he's come for. And he says, I've come to call sinners to repentance. Now, Repentance is a much bigger word as well. Repentance does not just mean, God, I'm sorry. It's good to say, God, I'm sorry. But repentance is so much more than that. Repentance means I turn from one thing, from one thing to something else. Not just I turn from a bad thing into a void. No, I turn from one thing to something else. Whenever we repent, what we're actually saying is more than I'm sorry. We're saying, God, I'm going to live out of my new nature, not my old. We're saying, God, I'm going to let go of the past that has hurt me so that it does not hurt me in the present. We're saying, God, what I'm going to do is live today better than I did yesterday. God, I'm going to live in faith today in those places that I did not yesterday. Repentance is so much bigger than just the moment of saying you're sorry. It's saying, God, this is not who you created me to be. This is not who you saved me to be. I'm going to live in and walk in the healing you've already brought into my life until you bring the healing that I need in the future in my life. Is this making sense? Thank you. One person is with me. Praise Jesus. (laughs) I was talking to a man one day several years ago. And this guy had experienced a lot of pain in his life. And the, the truth is, he caused most of it. Yes, he, there were some things in his childhood that he experienced that led to some other things, but the way he had lived his life for 25 years was just not the most healthiest way. But when I knew this man, I knew a very different man. I didn't, I didn't know about all that stuff. He had to explain that to me and tell me the stories about that. And it was not stories about the glory days. It was a testimony about what God had done. And I remember I was listening to all these stories, and he and I were talking. We had gotten really close, and I said, how would you do it? 
How did you get set free from all of that? How did you heal from all of that? How did you get over all that? You can phrase it however you want to, but, but, but how did you go from living there to living where you are today? Because um, the man I know is one of the most godly men I know, one of the most caring men I know, one of the most family-oriented men, the most generous men, uh, man that I know. Uh, he's absolutely amazing. I said, but how did it happen? How did you get set free from that? And he said, with a smile on his face, he said, the truth is, I just got tired of carrying all of it. He said, I just got tired of carrying all of it. I heard about Jesus, and I heard that he makes this offer that you can come to him, that he can touch your life, and that he can bring healing and wholeness deep down on the inside. So I just got tired of carrying all of it, and I just took him up on his offer. (laughs) How simple does that sound? Just took him up on his offer. You see, I think that's the offer today for us. I think what God's offering us today is is just that. He's the great physician. He's the divine healer. We need healing deep within us, deep within us, every one of us. And his offer is, do you want to be made well? Are you tired of carrying that? And here's the thing. You may be carrying many things. You may be carrying one thing. But the question is, are you tired of carrying it? Now, you can keep on. You can keep on carrying it if you want to. You can keep on dragging it around life if you want to. But I'm telling you, it's only going to hurt you in the long run. And you're only going to hurt other people. Because hurting people hurt people. But I think we all gathered here this morning for me to simply say to you, you don't have to live that way. If you're tired of carrying it, you can just let him have it. Take him up on his offer. Let him touch your life and watch what he does from there. Again, whether it's many things or one thing. Many or one. And my question to you is will you give it to him? Will you give it to him? If you don't mind, would you bow your head right where you are? I don't know your story. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through, many of you. But I do know the nature of a soul, and I do know the nature of the Savior. Wherever you are, whatever pain you're carrying, would you be bold enough just to give it to him this morning? Just give it to him. He already knows what it is. And just say, God, would you touch my life? Touch this wounded place. I know I'll have a scar. But the scar will make me stronger. The lights are really down. I really can't see you. No one else can see you. If you don't mind, keep your head down. If you need just God to touch your life in some way just as an act of faith would you just slide your hand up and just put it right back down you just slide it up and put it down thank you thank you Father for these who've raised their hand this morning Lord they need a touch from you a touch from heaven and they have boldly acknowledged the pain 
that they've been carrying around, the hurt they've been carrying around. And God, what I know about you is that you care infinitely more about them than anybody else ever could. So Lord, I pray for your divine touch in their life right now. Lord, I pray that you would touch the wounded place and make a scar. I pray that each day healing flows through them. It flows to the very core of their being. I pray that no longer are they hindered by the past. No longer do they live with the nightmares of the past. But Lord, every day is a day of walking in faith and newness and life and joy. Because while the past was very real, you've healed. You've touched. You've done what earthly physicians can't do. And you've healed our very soul. Lord, I thank you for that healing. I believe it. Because you paid everything. You paid every price so that we could experience it. And for that, today, we say thank you. Thank you. Father, thank you for your son who paid it all on our behalf. Thank you.
Collectively, can we just praise Jesus for that? Amen. Well, as we prepare to go from this place, the challenge I, I want to give you is this. I've lived it. I know it's true. I know you have too, that hurting people hurt people. But I believe the Lord wants to say to us today that healed people heal people. So as you leave this place, my prayer is that your eyes would be open, your heart would be attuned. The hurt parts of you that have been healed will become attuned to the hurting parts of others. And Jesus will receive all that he paid for when we share the good news of his healing with all those that he puts in our path to call into relationship with him. So would you receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he turn his face towards you shine the light of his countenance upon you and may you turn in repentance your face towards him and as you look him eye to eye and face to face may you be so filled with his healing that you will carry that light and that healing out into this hurting world in a way that glorifies and lifts up the one who paid it all in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said Amen, Amen. go in peace